You can hear Above 180 while on the go with StitcherSmartRadio.com. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Above 180.com, you have a chance to win some money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. Download it. It's free, and it just takes a few seconds. Then, during registration, hit the promo code box and enter BOWL. B-O-W-L. To get automatically entered to win $100. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code BOWL when you register. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Keith Hamilton. Keith is the president of Luby Publishing and the chairman of the International Bowling Museum and Hall of Fame. Keith, thank you for joining us today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be back. Thank you. Well, Keith, it's an exciting time for everyone at the Bowler's Journal. You guys are approaching your 100th year in, in publishing and, and in, in uh, being around and in print and such. Just talk about, uh, did you ever think when you took over back in 1981, you've been with the magazine now for 31 years as an as a, a integral force and part, did you ever think that it was going to continue and keep going like this? Well, you know, I, I started... Ed Luby at Bowler's Journal, literally two weeks out of high school, and I was hired on a part-time basis to work and clean a townhome the company owned in in Lincoln Park, uh, downtown Chicago, and and they moved me in the office one day to work on the Bowler's Journal tournament. Back in the old days, you did all those checks manually and typed up all the envelopes, and uh, they liked me in the office. And you know, get about one thing leading to another. Um, I went, of course, I went to college. I'd come back from college. I'd work at Luby, and I, I would do this constantly. Every break I had, including the short breaks of Easter and Thanksgiving, I'd come back and I'd work, and they paid for grad school, and and the and one thing led to another. But the 75th, when we turned 75 in 1988, uh, that was a big deal. That was a, a big issue. It was like a 343 or 44 page issue. We've got a little bit of taste of the significance of anniversaries and what it can mean. At that point in time, I remember I was just a junior. I'm saying, God, I don't, I don't know who's going to be here for the hundredth. I know it won't be me, but boy, I hope this company makes it. And I think it'll just be a, a, whoever will be lucky enough to be at that company at that time will really have something special. So there's no doubt in my mind that this 
magazine, this company was going to to reach 100. There's never a doubt because I knew Mort Luby would make the right decisions to make certain that we were going to reach 100. But 25 years ago, 31 years ago, did I think I'd still be here now based off a summertime job? No. No, I can't say as though I thought I'd be here that long. I'm proud to be part of the Luby family. Uh, I've been with you since early 07, uh, doing the ball reviews for the No Holes Bard column. Uh, I'll tell you, it's a tight-knit family and and a well-run organization. And and I'll tell you, I, I feel the passion you have for the industry for the sport of bowling. Uh, can you share possibly some of your most recent fondest memories you've had with Luby? I, I'm, I don't want you to start crying, but, but I know you, you've had some very you know, intimate moments with the magazine and the industry. Are there some you could share with us? Well, yeah, you're talking about a long time. You know, I started getting involved in the industry, even though I was at Luby in 81. I probably started getting involved in the industry more about 1987 and 88. Um, You know, for me, the fondest memories are probably a lot of things I can't even talk about. The the fondest memories are with my, my friends, the Many of the advertisers and manufacturers and distributors are typically our customers, but, you know, very quickly in a tight-knit industry such as this, those customers aren't really looked at as customers anymore. They become friends and, in some cases, great friends. And the experiences I will always remember is traveling and being at trade shows with these friends. Um and some of the things we've done and we've accomplished together. Now, as far as my fond bowling memories per se, uh, a lot of them have come really with the involvement in the Hall of Fame because what we've been able to accomplish there, you know, timing is everything. Uh, leaders, great leaders, great leaders come uh, a lot of time because of the timings that are available in history. And right now with the Hall of Fame, I was there at a time where we're able to build a brand new museum, which is really, at the time, it was rough, very rough, unbelievable amount of hours. But looking back on it, wow, what a great, fond memory that I have and will always have that can never be taken away from me no matter what happens is that myself with Pat Sonello and Bill Supper and our trustees built this 18,000 square foot museum and generated the funds on our own and, and, and with the industry of course and and selling the building in St. Louis. That, that to me was probably the ultimate. And um, then I got a little rebirth of that with the museum being built in Reno. Uh, the satellite, the first satellite, something that we've always wanted to do. Uh, never have been able to, but now in cooperation with the RSCVA and Reno International Bowling Stadium, particularly Joe Kelly, uh, who fought, uh, felt fit to pay homage to and to build this satellite museum. It's, uh, Joe, I don't know if you've seen it or Tim. Um, I, I don't think you were at Bowl Expo, so you probably hadn't, but next time you're at the stadium. Well, you know, Keith, the, Tim and I were both at Bowl Expo uh, this past summer, uh, when it was in Texas, the summer before, and, and oh, yeah. we viewed the museum, and I mean, our jaws were were down to the floor walking through it. I mean, the, the history, the memories, you know, being jogged just from seeing some of the old videos and, and the old bowling alley uh, that they had set up down there. I mean, 
every bowler who's, who loves our sport and passionate about our sport should visit the museum at one point in their life. Uh, it's an experience I can't forget. Well, you know, I'm proud to, to hear you say that. And, uh, you know, when you go through it, exhibit by exhibit, in the way we take you through the museum, which is the history first of the contemporary era, you just realize quickly the impact and the longevity and the great history of the sport and the history that, you know, started before 1900. And, uh, you know, just how it came from Europe to America. You know, it's all... It's fascinating. It really is. Uh, whether you're a historian or you're not a historian, just to really think in terms and to really go back in time, which this does, it brings you back in time. It's just a fun experience and it's educational. And I'm thrilled you had that experience. Oh, so, exactly. Again, Keith Hamilton joining us on the Above 180 podcast today. Keith, I would echo Joey's statements. It was great in Texas. I would advise everyone, uh, make a trip of it, plan to go down to Arlington. You're right next to the uh, Six Flags, so you can go to Six Flags, go to uh, come visit the, the museum. And I actually did get a chance to walk around inside the Satellite Museum out in Reno Apple Expo. So I will echo your statements with that as well, Keith, as that's a great idea for folks this year. You're bowling the USBC Open with the men and women being out there. Just take a chance and walk through there. Uh, a really a great idea because people bowlers are in Reno and so many bowlers get shuffled through Reno on a yearly basis. It only made sense to, to use that space for a, a benefit to show some of the uh, historical aspects of bowling like you had mentioned, Keith. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that, that was built, uh, Tim, I don't know if, you know, I'll say it and you'll probably say, yeah, you're right. It was built differently, completely different than we have in Arlington. In Arlington, we take you through the maze. We take you from exhibit to exhibit. In Reno, it's free-flowing. In Arlington, it was built, it was very difficult to build it because of the target audience you were trying to reach, different audience, actually, more of a general audience. Um, we're in Reno, man, we, it's just for bowlers. So we were able to just to go into the history of the sport. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. But, you know, you don't do something with that of that magnitude without the help of so many people. And, and again, the, to the mayor of Reno, and to Joe Kelly and, and to, to everyone there and the, the design team for having that foresight. Um, we really appreciate it. And absolutely, what better place to have a museum, for a bowling museum, than, than in Reno? So we got that covered now. Well, and Reno has been such a, a just a, an integral part of bowling. I mean, from the, the stadium being built, uh, and Reno really has been a friend towards bowlers, so this made, made perfect sense. Keith, I want to talk, you guys are also doing some great stuff with the PBA, as you guys are sponsoring the Scorpion Championship during the World Series, which is taking place right now. Uh, just talk about the getting back involved with the PBA, and uh, just working with uh, Tom Clark and everyone involved with the PBA. Well, Tom and I have worked together on numerous projects pretty much ever since he came into the business. One of the time he was at USBC and we worked on the magazines together. Uh, we also did the book together. It was Tom who called me to do the book, The uh, uh, 50 Greatest Bowlers in PBA History for, for their anniversary. Um, back to the anniversary, the 100th anniversary. What we are doing with that and the goals we want to achieve, we need to raise some money. Okay, so uh, we're selling sponsorships to that, and the PBA and 
Bowler's Journal have stepped up and worked together in in leveraging our assets to benefit each organization. So we are um, proud to, to return as an entitled sponsor to the PBA event. We haven't done that since probably 95, I believe, uh, was the last time we, we had sponsored an event. Um, now, in turn, and, and this hasn't been announced yet, I'm announcing it right now to you, is that the PBA will be the gold sponsor, and there's only one gold sponsor, for the Bowler's Journal 100th. And what we hope to do with that, the sponsorships, the gold, silver, and bronze, is generate enough funding so that we can produce a 300-page issue on our actual November issue, our, our actual November 2013 anniversary issue. So um, that's the reason for it, and we really, really want to accomplish this for the industry. We believe there's a mainstream story here because Bowler's Journal is not only the first magazine to reach 100 in the bowling business, but it's the first sports magazine, first sports magazine to accomplish this. That's a big accomplishment. That's a story that should transcend bowling media. I hope we're in 2020. I hope we're in, in Good Morning America. I mean, that's, I, I think we should be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal when they do some of their um, human interest stories. And that's what we're striving for. So we're going to hire a PR firm. Uh, it could be through the campus's PR firm. It could be independent of that to help us reach this mainstream media, just to promote bowling and tell bowling story to people outside of our bowling centers. That is our goal. So as you can see, it's all tied all tied together. Uh, the PBA is a, you know we're we're launching it there uh, on that January sixth telecast. Uh, thrilled to be a part of it. I love the PBA. I, I think an industry without the PBA will be an industry lost. Right. And speaking of support, Keith, what, what can the average bowler, our, our, our listener out there, or pro shop operator, proprietor, do to help support the, the Bowler's Journal in their 100-year anniversary as well as the PBA? Well, I'll tell you what, for selfish reasons, they'll stick to me right now. Great question. Glad you asked it. Very simply. I hope every bowling center in this country would do one simple thing, and that is to buy a bulk subscription to Bowler's Journal. I want as many people in in the world to get Bowler's Journal this year, particularly to get that anniversary issue that we have scheduled in no, November 2013. Joey, you get a bulk subscription. Uh, pro shops typically will sell it. Uh, Bowling centers will typically be more likely to give it away. They're not as set up as well as a pro shop to sell it. But that is what I hope, and that's something we're going to start pushing pretty much now. But, uh, again, you're, that's a great question. You, you beat me to the punch, but that, that's the biggest support. Right. Now, Keith, the, the Bowler's Journal is, you know, we're in the 21st century now, and as you know, it's been print media for 100 years. What are you doing differently, say, in, in the year 2012 to kind of join the, the digital age? Is there anything on the horizon that, that we should be uh, looking forward to? Joey, i got to ask you a question. Go ahead. Do you have access to my computer and you are going through my business plan? Because you are right on stuff. 
Right. I, I have been hacked into your computer for the last four years, Keith. It's <laughs> amazing. Uh, yeah. The, the, wow. We haven't even really made it public yet. We haven't sent out the press release on it yet, which we're going to do within a week or two. But we are rolling out Bowler's Journal Interactive. Now, we've done the USB-C, U.S. Bowler, which was online. Okay, for years. Um, the funding stopped for that. So we we enjoyed a wonderful nine-year relationship with USBC in producing their print and their digital magazines for them. Uh, I hope one day we can return to that, but uh, we move on. But in some way, it was more of a, a blessing because we want to brand Bowler's Journal. And what better time to start a brand new digital magazine uh, year zero or first year when you're turning 100, right? I mean, the show, the old time coupled with the new time. And uh, so, yeah, we're rolling it out. And what's great about that, and in cooperation with the PBA and in cooperation with the USBC still, our distribution will be to 800,000 bowlers. So that's rolling out in two weeks. So that'll be monthly. It'll time in between the print. So the print publication should hit, you know, the first. This will come out on the 15th. And uh, and I'm very interested to see where this goes, how this goes. Because with a digital magazine, there's several ways how you can produce it. Our goal with this digital magazine is to be in the iStore. Okay? So as we develop the magazine, the digital magazine that you'll see, you know, we'll send you a link and you'll be hooked up on, uh, by clicking the link, you'll go onto the internet site. But as we're doing this, in the back of our mind and actually in the front of our mind is taking the technology to the iStore. Now that's a little bit more involved than it sounds, but once we're there, that will be an interesting tell. Well, Keith, and, and on that on that same note, number one, want to double? Are, is this something? And don't want you to get divulge too much information. Like you said, you are kind of breaking news here on the Above One Eighty dot com podcast. Is it something that is going to be tied to your subscription with the Bowlers Journal, or is this going to be something that's going to be a, a different subscription, or uh, is it going to be kind of free for everyone, and then hopes that people will pick up the magazine and purchase a magazine, so it helps you on that end. And then also, uh, we're in an app-crazed world, it seems like. Everything there's an app for. Uh, is, are you going to have an app for this? Well, let's start off with uh, the distribution. It is, for the first year, free. So it'll be free to anybody who's a USB-C member or a PBA member. Is it for our readers, too? Absolutely. Absolutely, it's free. Now, next year at this time is our business plan to see if we can start selling it. But that's a long way away. But for our 100th, it's free. It's part of our tied into our 100th anniversary celebration. Uh, As far as the app, well, yes, that's definitely what I want to go with the iStore and the applications. And we want this to be able to go to the iPhones. So, and that's probably going to happen sooner than later. So, absolutely. That's that's part of our plans, no doubt. And you know we're also taking a you know you mentioned digital and I mentioned the fifty the book the fifty greatest bowlers of all time, PBA bowlers of all time, that we made a minor announcement on. But in sometime in January we're going to unveil that in digital form. So that's going to come out and that too will be in the iStore, 
and um, uh, that will be the original book, but we've added some stuff. We actually have new rankings. Guys, we have a new number one. Okay? We had six people, six respected journalists, uh, Bo Burton, Jim Dressel, Bob Johnson, uh, Bill Vint. Um, I know I missed a couple. Shame on me. But um, Lyle Zykes, who are, have voted on a new top 50, and, and they'll, they'll be a new number one, and they'll be on the digital book as well. As publishers today, you have to recognize and that you have the need for digital. What saddens me is when a magazine like Newsweek cancels its print to go 100% digital. Greatly saddens me. Guys, I think, and I know, at least from our generation, people like print. And when people have gone online to review books, they, they, they're going back to print. Okay, What the future holds, I don't know. I know my son can't read anything in print. For him, it's got to be online. So like it or not, us publishers have to develop ways and complementary products. And that's what we're, we're doing at as well. Keith, I want to end the interview. Uh, you were recently uh, rated as the fourth most powerful person in the bowling industry. I believe it's the Power Poll Index is how they word it, uh, by, by your, the magazine and everyone. Now, talk about that a little bit because I know it's kind of uh, – it's an interesting topic, and it's very. Uh, it, it shows people who, I guess, is is uh, the the movers and shakers of the bowling industry. Yeah, it's something we've done for a long time now, and uh, it's basically people of influence. It, it's the purpose of it is to say this: that hey, you guys, you dozen, you're responsible for our livelihood. You need to make things happen. So, you know, that was the initial purpose for it, and by acknowledging the industry. And, and what, we, what we do is, uh, and never, votes never go into Luby. Anybody in, in the industry, people in the know, it's, again, it's more of a business tool. It's not a consumer tool. But people in the industry vote. They send it, uh, independent of us, they send it to an accounting firm. Uh, we're not allowed to see it. We don't tell people who to vote for, who not to vote for. We're not even allowed to do that. Um, and then it goes to this firm, and they tally up the results. I've got a little bit of a problem for it because um, even though I'm probably that high number four because I'm involved in various aspects of the industry, I still own the magazine. It's very embarrassing to me. I don't, I don't, I don't think that an employee of Louis Publishing or Bowler's Journal, much less the owner, should really have an opportunity to be listed in there. Uh, but that was other reasons for it. Yeah, you know, we're, we're told flat out, guys, don't do it. And, uh, again, I think I'm in there very little for Bowler's Journal, but it's more for the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I'm very involved with Ipsy. I'm the chairman of their advisory board and have been so for a long time. And, I'm even getting involved in the, in the Bowling Writers Association. So um, I imagine those are the reasons for it. But really, that's the purpose of it. I know a lot of people get flattered by being in in the top 12, but it's not about that. It's about saying, Mr. Johnson, for three years in a row, you've been number one. You know, we're holding you accountable. And of course, Steve steps up. He does a terrific job. Right, and, and well earned for Stu uh, being this year's winner. Uh, and Keith, I, I know personally you are humbled by your selection, but uh, again, that's something we'll have to discuss in later times. But one thing Tim and I both noticed, uh, at least in the top 24 names or so, uh, very few minorities. And, and, you know, we're an open, structured society now where, where we really aren't 
or don't have the prejudices we may have had 50 years ago. What do you think is the reasoning behind this? Well, it's very simple. If you go to any convention, do we have them bowling? Be it the USBC, and particularly the BPAA Bowl Expo, there just aren't enough minorities at those conventions. There are not enough minorities working in the industry. Can you imagine if we really expanded our sport to these other minorities, to have minorities participate in our sport, how much better off we would all be? Um, you know, I just think, if, for instance, I think a legitimate chance of one gentleman in the industry, industry, a minority, that will find its way into the poll someday is Eric Kearney uh, of the USBC. Uh, for those who don't know Eric, he married Kim Terrell several years ago. Um, he used to be known as Kim's husband. Well, he's not longer known as that. He's known as Eric Kearney. He's his own individual man, and he's responsible for a lot of different uh, roles, including minority, uh, identifying those needs for the industry uh, over at USBC. He also helps him at the Hall of Fame. Uh, he, he's somebody we need more. Eric's to come into this world, in, in the bowling world, and to help us connect and, and introduce this wonderful sport to every race. It, it's just so Caucasian-dominated. It just is. Well, Keith, and that, uh, I'm going to follow up on that is you're right. And as someone who lives and bowls in the Washington, D.C., the National Capital Area Bowling Association, I can tell you, I go in my, in my league of, of 130 bowlers, with, you know, 27 five-person teams, five-man teams in our situation. It is, it is, that is not reflective of, of the way things are, of it being that minority base. I mean, we bowl in a league, it's, it's a mix of everyone. You know, over here, we have a lot of people of Asian descent bowl in the league. We have a lot of African-Americans. We have Hispanics. We have everyone in the league. So it's a very, um, a mixed sort of bag of people getting together for, for the, for the love of bowling. So I think it's a great step, like you're saying, and, and hopefully, you know, someone, and ultimately too, it means someone has to step up to the plate and make a difference. I mean, if you're not on that list, the onus is on them to to make inroads and to get noticed by the the movers and shakers of the industry right now. Uh, the the aspect that I have to this also is in, in listening and looking at the list. Uh, the, there seems to be a uh, not a lot of people under the age of forty. I believe Andrew Kane, the president right now of the USBC, is the, the only person under forty, if I'm correct. So, what is being done? I guess uh, again, maybe because you a little more close some, some knowledge to some folks. But what's being done to help? keep the youth involved and and i know there's something to be said for experience but then we also need to keep the focus on what what the young folks are thinking and what what's going to keep them in the sport oh we we are always so conscious of the youth bowling uh in fact there is a point person at the campus chad murphy chad has a wealth of experience in the bowling business besides being an outstanding bowler himself he's worked at several of the ball companies so he knows the business side but he gave that up and he gave that nice paycheck up to come and to go to the campus to make a difference to make an impact and his responsibility the reason he is right now is all for youth bowling and that is a challenge it's a challenge and the numbers continue to decrease at least it does for the usbc membership uh, it's it's tough and i think one reason why it's so difficult is because there's so much pressure put on the youth today and there's so many different things and opportunities for them to partake in 
you know, it just wasn't that way 50 years ago that there were sports that you could do and you could excel in. I think right now there's just so much, even in extreme sports. So it's difficult. Uh, what you got to do to get these people, these kids bowling, Tim, there's no secret. You get them in a the bowling center. You get them to bowl competitively. You get them to care. And uh, and then you hope you maintain certain levels for the remainder of their life. That's what you need to consider effort for. But you know what? We've done that. We really have. We've really identified, and when I say we, I mean the industry. I mean more the bowling campus, uh, the BPAA, uh, USBC. They they really acknowledge that, and and they're doing what they can to try and capture the youth interest. But it's it's a challenge. It just is. We talked about the minority situation and how great it would be to have all these you know minorities come in bowl. And how do you get that going? Well, it takes a lot of work, but you need a point person to start it off. Just like you have Chad working on the youth. You need a point person for minorities. And let them go out and reach the bowling center operator, because that's what it's about. It's about the bowling center operator. USBC can set up all the programs they want, but the implementers are the bowling center operators. And they're the ones who can make the difference. All right, Keith, in our final minute or two here, just reflect a little bit and like like to have a closing statement, I guess, from you uh, looking forward and, and what bowlers can expect, in, in your opinion, moving forward. Well, for Bowler's Journal or, or Big Picture? Yeah, or? Bowler's Journal and even bowling, you know, put bring out your crystal ball and, you know, definitely the Bowler's Journal, but then even the sport in general. Well, okay, let's start with Bowler's Journal in terms of moving forward. Right now, our forward is the 100th. We're concerned about the 100th anniversary. Every issue we're going to provide extra for our readers to enjoy. Um, and there's something else we didn't talk about, something else that'll be announced. You ready for this? The Bowler's Journal Tournament, the 67th Bowler's Journal Tournament, for the first time, will be at the USBC site, the USBC Open site. So we will be at the National Bowling Stadium, the Bowler's Journal Tournament, next to the USBC Open. All right, so we're we're thrilled about that. We think it's just a great opportunity and kind of sort of rebirth for our longstanding tournament. Now, I look into the crystal ball of bowling, and the crystal ball that I see today was the exact same way I saw it 15 years ago. And 15 years ago, when people would ask me, what do you think bowling's going to go, and how many bowling centers do you think they're going to be? I said then, and I, when it was at 7,000, that I see it getting down to 4,000 bowling centers. But at 4,000 bowling centers, it's going to be a pretty darn good industry. That that's the right number based on demographics and population. Well, I look today, and we're about 5,000 bowling centers. And, you know, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that we are still going to lose centers. And that the prophecy from 15 years ago today may, may very well bear out. Uh, when I think we're, we're going to lose bowlers, we're going to continue to lose USBC members, despite the efforts and all the smart, smart people working on it. And then it's going to get down to a certain level. And it's going to stay there. We're going to find a way to, to thrive at that level. So... That's where I see the this, this sport going. My concern is the PBA. 
That's my concern. And in what form the PBA will be in five years, I would be surprised that the current ownership is still in place five years from now. Okay? I have no inside knowledge of that. This is not the magazine's opinion. This is my own. And uh, so what's going to happen? What's going to happen then? Well, the PBA is not going to go away. But, you know, is the USBC going to own it? Are they going to have to step in? You know, you always want somebody independent of that to come in and, and purchase your, your TV sport, your extension, your marketing. And it's what the PBA is. So, I don't know. Hopefully, that will give you some look into my crazy crystal ball. Keith Hamilton, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Above180.com podcast. Hey, thank you very much for having me, guys. Uh, Joey, thank you so much for all the work you do on the magazine. You're absolutely outstanding. You're the, you're the main reason why everybody subscribes to the magazine to see what you have to say about the ball reviews. Keep, keep it going. Uh, have a great next year with the 100th. And, Tim, thank you so much for this opportunity. We appreciate it. We love what you do. Uh, all forms of media very crucial it just helps the industry when when people such as yourself go on and you do a quality job and in the interviews uh, like you're doing right now so thank you to you guys well thank you keith and and it's an honor to be working with you at the luby family and uh, hopefully have many successful years to come 